All right. Welcome back to another episode of Questions Like This. Uh, episode uh, 24. And uh, just like the TV show, this one will be uh, 24 hours long, uh, about an entire day where no one seems to yawn at any point or uh no they don't or sleep or like take a shit or eat they're, um, they're too hot they're too hopped up on caffeine or uh yeah. or they're, like they're, they're too to hopped up on on torturing brown people that's what's happening yes that, <laughs> that too that too uh, oh, but man. it was a hit. It ran for a. Of course, man. It's, the, it's the post 9 11 world. And oh, uh, America was running high on. Uh, xenophobia. Xenophobia and just like graphic depictions of fucking up Arabs. Yeah. Yeah. Although I don't like, I don't think any of them were actually Arab. Like they probably hired Pakistani or like Bangladeshi actors or uh, yeah. Iranian Americans to play the terrorists. <laughs> exactly, or uh, or uh, Indian actors. Oh yeah, saying, yeah. Like, you know, basically <laughs> saying like you know like oh you look uh, oh you look brown enough so yeah you come play a, a terrorist because yeah. that's the only role you could possibly play. Yeah, you you look like you could wear a, a turban with a jewel in it. So uh, yes, you look um, like you can have Grand Pooba in front of your name. <laughs> Grand Pooba, oh my god! I'm sure that's like not even like a real title, like some like British resident in uh, Hindustan at the time, as it were, just came up <laughs> with that shit to Sorry. for his racist friends back in old blood. I shall, I shall call you Grand Pooba. Yeah. No. Which makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, speaking of xenophobia, uh, one of the movies that we'll talk about kind of has that element, but mo- most of it is, I guess, uh, most of it, I guess, is is violence. Uh, but the other movie we saw is, um, of course, the the second try at uh f- having a tomb raider franchise on screen and incredibly it takes like the wrong things from the 2013 video game and it, it makes like changes that i really i really can't figure out why because no, we'll, we'll I... get we'll get to it when we get to it but there there's right there's plot elements in in the 2013 Tomb Raider that work really well and probably would be better off explored uh, in the movie, but for some reason they they didn't adapt those specific uh, themes or, or points. Uh, or maybe they just didn't need to make a movie at all. Maybe they just could have left the game alone. Yeah. Maybe they just could have left the game alone as it is, not have the need to create another uh, Jesus, another Tomb Raider movie and just uh, let it continue on, on its own merits. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, folks. I have to just, just say something in, I'm in my late twenties right now. So that means I've been going to movies pretty much my entire life. Never have I ever walked out of a movie while it was still going 
except last week when I walked out of Tomb Raider. Yeah, for the first time in my life, I actually walked out of a movie. It was that bad. Yeah, and I mean, it's basically, you know, it's a movie that really doesn't add anything to the Tomb Raider franchise. Right. Because... Uh, well, like we said, it's um, it is basically the p- plot of the 2013 reboot, except it's it's not done as well as it is in the video game, and it's like the <clears throat> and it and it, it not even saying like the the story for uh the 2013 video game was all that great because I mean like, yeah, it's good, but it's like, it's not, it's not special. Right. No, it it really, it really isn't. Although I do appreciate the fact that they made a, a Lara Croft more, uh, more realistic grounded in reality, made her more of a human instead of like a, whatever the hell Angelina Jolie portrayed her as. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and I mean, like, I only watch this movie because Alicia Vikander is in it. Oh, yeah, of and, course. <laughs> and, like, for the first 20 minutes, it's basically the movie I want. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, it's like get, getting to getting to know who she is yeah. as a person. You know, she's this guy, she's this, plays this woman who not only is the daughter of, like, a famous archaeologist and professor who lives in this giant manor but also does MMA and works as a a bike messenger yeah in a in an attempt to uh make her like appeal more to the to the common man which i completely understand but there was that one scene at the beginning that really kind of pissed me off where she goes into uh you know, the big giant croft building. Yeah. And does the whole like uh Batman begins Iron Fist esque kind of thing. It's yeah. like, you know, hey, like I haven't been here for a long time, but my name's the same as the one on your building, so you gonna let me in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um <clears throat> so the new Lara Croft as a bikey in Lon- in London, um I mean, you know, like the setup, like in terms of her character, I mean, that's fine. Um, but re- I mean, we're skipping ahead, but it, the second half of the movie is a really, it's a really, it's a really confused mess of what they did in the video game. Right. Because like the thing with the video game that I liked, even though it's not particularly original or whatever, is that she already has like a support group going in so she mm-hmm. went to i think it's yamatai uh yamatai an arche- that's right on an archaeological dig with people who she's friends with and people she knows but in the movie she meets up with this guy and that's literally the only person she knows on the island yeah it's like in the game she has this whole group with her that actually have a lot of great chemistry together work very well. They all yeah. bring something, they all bring something to the table, but 
No, she washes ashore on the uh, on the island and instantly meets the villain, which I think you could have. I don't think you could find a more or less subtle villain than unless somebody stamped on his forehead the word villain on yeah. it. Well, I mean, it's also because Wal- Walton Goggins just has that kind of face. He does. He has a face <laughs> that basically he has a face that basically says, "Hi." Don't trust me. I will turn on you. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know if that's his default expression. <laughs> but well, think about. But it. he's like he's got like the intense eyes, and it's like looking back to basically all of his roles. It's like, yeah. I was. I was gonna say. I was gonna say like every role he's been in, going back to. Films like Shanghai Noon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's always been that. Yeah. I keep forgetting he was in that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I mean, in uh, <clears throat> in Vice Principles, he's not that much of a bad guy. And I was I was listening to someone else where, like, on TV, he's like. Like he he's you know like like so the I was listening to someone else say like uh, Walton Goggins like the this guy like he's he's a good actor but it's just like he seems to be like the kiss of death in like a movie production where <laughs> it's like usually if he's in it it means it's gonna be disappointing. Yeah, I think the exception would just be like Django Unchained. Yeah, probably. And uh, uh, Machete Kills. Uh, Machete Kills, you know, it has its good moments. I thought it was you know, just, eh. I did like the fact that uh, <laughs> did like the fact that Charlie Sheen played the president. I mean, you mean Carlos Estevez. Yes. And introducing <laughs> Carlos Estevez. It was funny. I, I, saw, <laughs> I saw the first Machete film with my dad and that was a mistake. <laughs> the entire time he kept looking at me and it's like, what the fuck is this movie? Right. <laughs> but it's Robert Rodriguez, man. Yeah, you know what to yeah. expect going into yeah. it. It's like I, I even told my dad, it's like, well, you like from dusk till dawn and like the El Mariachi oh. film. So like, this is not new. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I like the first Machete film. I thought it was a, yeah. a nice blend of a shoot 'em up and homage. Yeah. Well, it's also like it. It's a movie that knows it's a bad movie and doesn't, and it's not afraid to just like run with it. Mm-hmm. Which um, absolutely. I think that also the two things that I'm trying to connect with both of the movies we're talking about. Is that they're bad movies that take themselves too seriously? Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, this, oh, uh, never mind. I so I thought there was a link on the Wikipedia page for Walton Goggins. Uh, I thought there was a link called Walton Goggins Face. But it was just Walton <laughs> Goggins fan, and I'm like, oh, well, that's bad in a different way. Oh god! <laughs> no, I mean, don't get me wrong. The man is a great actor, 
but it's not like people are gonna like run up to him on the street and go like you know oh my god Walton Goggins I loved you in uh well I mean like uh, when I saw him in Justified it was like yeah like he's 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 good and justified but it's just like something about his demeanor and like the way he carries himself in any role is just like he is that kind of like unnerving guy yes but he kind of like the other problem with tomb raider is that like the villain is incredibly thin like <laughs> the characterization yeah. is just like it, it probably doesn't take more than like a paragraph on a piece of paper pretty much it's like you know bad guy obsessed with this place wants to take over the world mean son of a bitch that's pretty much it yeah and like in the 2013 one most of the conflict actually actually isn't really well he is the the vocal character is a partial driver of the conflict but and a partial driver of the story but in the video game, it's more of like Lara Croft changing herself and adapting to this harsh island environment and trying to find her friends. And then later on, like having a like having to come to terms with like paradigm shifts that she experiences along the way, which right. isn't really shown in the movie where she's already kind of competent. Exactly. No, that's the thing, though. As you play the game and as you go through all the different stages, you're killing all the bad guys and, you know, building the fires and building the zip lines and everything, you see Lara grow as a as a character. You don't really see that in the movie. It's like, you know, oh, well, I'm here and I'm going to do this. It's about it. Yeah. Well, I guess... Um... The one thing that they did take away from the video game was like when the first time she killed a person, she realized that she just killed a person, but then the uh -huh. movie moves on. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're not going to react to that. It's like, you're not going to sit down and actually contemplate what just happened, like in the game. Like she does have a visual visceral reaction to it, but then like the movie moves on to like where uh i think at that point like she sees her dad or something oh yeah that's right um oh yeah from what i saw of her dad or lack thereof he was written so poorly i, I mean it's also just an exercise in uh lazy screenwriting because like in the video game like we never knew what happened to her father like he's just right. dead and we were just yeah we were just presumed that he that he died or yeah. it, it told us that he died yeah and like I, there's no reason really to bring uh, Richard Croft no no there really isn't there really isn't but I guess they're doing it anyway because whatever yeah but I mean also it doesn't really like it, it also changes Lara's character from someone who's learning how to be adaptive and like I guess cliche like strong woman whatever but like with, like bringing her dad back into the picture like now it's kind of like focusing on the relationship with 
between a father and daughter, which isn't really explored in any of the video games. No, it really isn't. And it's and I it's mean, not really necessary because, like, I, I mean, I guess you could call it, like, stuffing the dad in the fridge or, like, a mentor death. But at the same time, <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, the, the new realistic approach to Tomb Raider is that she was a student. She was, like, she, she was, like, a regular uh, British woman who yeah. is dropped in, like, these extraordinary circumstances and adapts to become like this badass survivalist. Hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. Mm. Actually, I think I in, in in the 2013 game, uh, in the first like maybe quarter of the game, you're it, it's actually difficult to uh, kill people head on because like really you don't have any weapons. No, you don't. You basically steal everything or you craft it from from something. Yeah. Which mm. is much better than what I remember from the original Tomb Raider games because one she, she controlled like a fucking tank in like the original PlayStation games. Yes. And yes. also the collision detection is terrible. Like you'd have to do ah. all these precise platforming things. And then oh my you'd, god you'd, yes she'd either latch on or she'll just like fall to her death and also the camera yeah. was your enemy oh the camera was a son of a bitch yeah it really was oh my <laughs> god and no not just that if you fell to your death or did anything even remotely of the sort mm -hmm. they would show you that death in yeah. full graphic detail Ugh. yeah gave gave me nightmares yeah it re like really the i guess you know i'll probably come under fire for this but a tomb raider franchise even as a video game i think it was taken much too seriously <laughs> what you talking about the uh, original series or the um or yeah. the or the movie oh the original series yeah well i mean hmm. I feel like the original series, you know, with its, you know, unique gameplay, the unique gameplay and you no know, gritting storyline, it also had another thing going for it that was a completely, uh, it was just accomplished by an error by, uh, what was the name of that company? The original company that did Tomb Raider? Uh, Core Design, I think. Core Design, yeah. There was an error in the programming that made, uh, Lara seem a little bit uh, bustier, shall we say? Yeah, error. Uh huh. <laughs> That's the official story, anyways. I'm sure. It was also an error to put new cheat codes. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh my god, and everybody was trying to find those new cheat codes. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's like, um. Well, I mean, I'm sure it sold that many copies just because, like, it was the first time a lot of kids saw titties. And, uh, Probably. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, when you're, like, 12 to 14, basically you beat off to anything. Uh-huh. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, like what? <laughs> one of my friends in uh, middle school, like, is so horned up, like, it like beat off to 
Zelda from Super Smash Brothers uh, Melee. Oh, no. No, no, no. Oh. Yeah. And I'm like, Come on, man. it's like, it, if you're going to beat off to like a video game, at least do it to one of the porn video games. <laughs> <laughs> like beat off to like some like Leisure Suit Larry or something like that. Yeah. Or like, I don't know, like Dead or Alive or... Uh, Dead or Alive, I remember that series. You know, like, the, th- the thing with Dead or Alive is that at its foundation, there's a very solid fighting game, just like Tekken, just like Soul Calibur, or like uh, the 3D Street Fighters, which I uh-huh. guess people will also be upset at me about because Street Fighter is only supposed to be played on a two-dimensional plane, but whatever. I agree. I agree, um, but but dead uh, or alive, just kind of like after the second one, uh, it just like yeah, let's just put boobs on it. Uh, yeah, and they also um, had a spinoff where it was just like all the women from the dead dead or alive games go to the beach and play beach volleyball, and it was just like uh, oh yeah, this is Extreme the most yeah, this is the most Japanese game ever. Well, yes, obviously. <laughs> um, uh, Tecmo, the leader in a, a jiggle physics since yeah. <laughs> uh, since 1996. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that was a it was a weird game. It was like, look, as a fighting game, you know, like I don't rank it up there with like the Street Fighters and Mortal Kombat's of the world, but mm. I think it's a pretty solid fighting yeah. game. But um, when you develop a game that is how do i even describe this when there's moments um where the breasts just move they move for like no reason even if the character is not actually moving yeah oh well i i recently got back into tekken like i just downloaded the new tekken on ps4 because like oh nice i i just like wanted to see what's happening and like now, like I guess the main character is just like a Brazilian girl with huge knockers. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, wow, okay, this is what's happening. I guess so. <laughs> well, the but other the other new character that they added for Tekken is uh, is basically a Saudi prince. Oh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sure. Yeah. No, oh you know the guy who's been in the news all the time, Mohammed bin Salman. Yeah, they yeah. basically put him in Tekken Seven. Okay, it's the guy with like the kafia and like an Arab military uniform, and oh, and of course guy. a beard. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sure. Why not? Yeah. I can't confirm, but I feel like the the House of Saud has something to do with this. Oh, wait, what what's his uh his name again? Tell me. Uh, Shaheen, I think. S H A I S H A H I N, or it might be S H A H E E N. Let's put in like Shaheen. S H. Tekken. Yeah, I got it. Oh my God! Wow. Yeah. All right. Uh, fighting style, military fighting style. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Cool. Uh, right. At least he's not a terrorist. 
No, he's not a terrorist. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess uh, back to Tomb Raider, you walked out at some point before, uh, like, uh, when did you walk out exactly? Um, oh, God, I can't even remember. It was so bad. Um, <laughs> was it after, like, she killed the person? No, oh, no. Yeah, it was right as she was killing the person. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, basically after that, uh, with the reintroduction of Richard Croft, it just goes to a place yeah. where, where the game doesn't go. And it's just, it, it the plot, it, it becomes, it, it's seriously flawed at that point. I mean. I, it is. Yeah. I, it's just, there's no purpose in reintroducing Richard Croft. And now there's the added element where um, Wal- Walton Goggins can just like basically uh kidnap uh Richard Croft which he actually does when for some reason uh Richard Croft comes to like the slave camp and tries to uh destroy the tomb uh the gate to the tomb uh-huh and then <laughs> also like for a movie called Tomb Raider they really missed out on having like a a tomb raiding scene in like the first third (laughs) well i guess to be fair you know even in the uh the game the 2013 game tomb raiding was just more of a a side mission yeah nothing really to bring you to the nothing that really ties in together with the um the main storyline yeah well, I mean, eventually, like, the set piece in the 2013 one, like, at the end is, like, Himiko's tomb. But, yeah, you're yes. right. Um, the they don't the side quests the are basically uh, finding these random tombs on the island. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But still, yeah. you know, I mean, I I think, you like, for all the faults of, of the Angelina Jolie ones, like, I think, like, it did start out with... Lara Croft raiding a tomb so yeah that's a I feel like it's a much better introduction yeah well I, well, well I mean but I mean well, I, I they... did like what they're doing what it, what the video game is doing with the Lara Croft character and what the movie tried to set up but it's just like you know it, it didn't pay off right right I just ugh. I don't know, man. I maybe this is just another sign that nobody should actually do video game movies anymore. Video game movie adaptations of video games. Yeah. Um, well, the the part of the problem is that I think you're right uh, in like when you're talking about it uh, on Facebook, where movies basically uh, games basically are movies now, where they have basically the same. Uh, amount of budget and they they strive Mm -hmm. to have like all the filmic set pieces and filmic qualities exactly but it just seems like as i was watching the film or half the film anyway um there were moments where it's like you know i would say to myself wait here comes the quick time event right here's where i press you know x or a right yeah (laughs) 
Well, it's because we've also been exposed to games um, like Uncharted, God of War, uh, the new Tomb Raider series, where yeah, it's like it it's a it's a or Mass Effect, where it's like a much higher step up in terms of like video game storytelling and mixing interactivity with like you know cutscenes and shit than before. Uh huh. And, you know, I mean, like, people are talking about an Uncharted movie, and I think it would also be a hot mess. It would be a hot mess, because they'd probably go out and get someone like uh, Nathan Fillion to play him, who actually was the basis for uh, Nathan Drink. Yeah. Or rather, his character in Firefly. Yeah, Mal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, um... Yeah, and I mean, like, the thing is, you know, obviously the other, like, recent disappointment in terms of video game movies was um, Assassin's Creed, which, again, it's another franchise that, like, I guess only works in video game form. Yes, absolutely. That did not need to be turned into a movie. That was doing just fine by itself. I. I say this as a fan. It's one of my favorite video game series ever. But yeah. uh, Ubisoft, what were you thinking? I, I actually have it on good authority that the guy who runs Ubisoft, who wanted to put this movie together, is a giant douche. Well, I mean, given what Ubisoft has been doing on the video game front, that's uh, not surprising. Right. Yeah. Oh God! I don't know. Maybe they'll get maybe they'll get it right with the. Uh, well, I mean, they did get it right with the last Assassin's Creed game. Who knows where the yeah. next one might be? Yeah, I think Assassin's Creed Origins was like the first one like that put a smile on my face when I was playing it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> like, first of all, the setting is great. Ancient Egypt. Who doesn't love ancient Egypt? Absolutely. Two, the Egyptians were black. That's very important. Yeah, and there's and there's Greeks and Romans because that's uh, we're we're in Ptolemaic e- Egypt, so technically not uh-huh. ancient Egypt, but yeah, it's it's a great setting. And sure, you know, it's a Ubisoft game, so it's buggy as hell, but it, it it's a lot of enjoyment from that one. Absolutely, I could play that game over and over and never get tired of it. Well, what's the, cool, yeah, what's cool now is that they added like a tourist mode or like a visitor mode where it's just like you exploring uh, Ptolemaic Egypt. Yeah, and it's perfect. It's perfect. You can slide down the Great Pyramids. You can find secret entrances hidden within the Sphinx. You can visit the library in Alexandria. It's so cool. Yeah. It's like, it's probably like the, the yeah like since Assassin's Creed three it was like the one like I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, man, Assassin's Creed like Assassin's Creed one great. I love the Crusades. Uh, Assassin's Creed two Renaissance and the gameplay was so much better. It's like hell yeah. Oh my god, it was Assassin's Creed three. It's like hell yeah, American Revolution, and you played a uh, half native person and like. Uh-huh. Shows everyone like 
pretty much everyone's a dick because like that's pretty much everyone was back then <laughs> pretty much like, yeah yeah this is great and then like oh assassin's creed uh pirates and like oh uh, uh oh i love that one that was a good french one. revolution um oh. uh uh uh, Assassin's Creed East London. Uh, uh. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then you had Assassin's Creed uh, mobile game to take place in Russia, India, and China. Yeah. Which um, I don't think anybody played. Yeah. So, I do want to talk about the last thing, uh, the last, basically the ending of Tomb Raider. Now, let's go back to the video game and the other memorable thing about the Tomb Raider franchise is that basically Lara Croft learns that the world is much stranger than it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, there, like there's always something, you know, bubbling beneath the surface, something that we really don't quite understand that we'd like to discover. Yeah. And, like, that's part of the allure of, like, the mystery and, like, the allure of, like, tomb, like the Tomb Raider franchise. Where, like, you learn, like, in, the, in, like, the original first game, like, she discovers, like, oh, like, Atlantis is real. Uh-huh. You know? And, like, the, yeah. pl- and the plot, like, ties into that. And then, like, I think the, the second or third one, there was, like, a T-Rex or something. Yeah, I, I saw that. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, okay. Because, uh, yes, for a series that wants to be grounded in realism, T-Rex. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, so in in the 2013 one and the sequel, and I'm guessing it's also going to be an element in the one that's coming out later this year, uh, which is set in Mexico, I think, or Guatemala. There's there's some which uh, I, Mesoamerican pyramids in the sneak peek trailer, which I can't wait to play. Yeah, but it looks awesome. You know, uh, <clears throat> it's like eventually Lara Croft discovers that like the myths about Himiko they're real. Like she's an actual witch queen that was locked away by her generals. And the climax of the game, uh, one of her friends who came with her to the island is going to be possessed, basically, by Himiko because she's a descendant of her bloodline. Or right. Whatever. It's, it's a cliche story, but it's a, it's a different kind of cliche. And at least, like, in the video game, it's, it's part of, like, a, a pretty a reasonably satisfying sequence. Uh-huh. But, like, in the movie, what I... I kind of get what they're trying to do with like doing away all like the mystical elements is like, I guess they're trying to avoid the kind of like, uh, you know, where every movie nowadays kind of collapses on the third act where it's just like CGI people shooting laser beams at each other. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. I guess that might be what they're trying to do, but at the same time, like, I don't know. It, like at the end it's just explained that like Himiko has like some form of like super leprosy and yeah uh they like the the Trinity Corporation uh 
like is going to use it for like some sort of bioweapon. And it's like, I guess, but then like, I, I don't know what you're trying to do. It's like, yeah, like the new Tomb Raiders are more like grounded in reality or like realistic, but there's still the element of like, there's some weird shit out there. Cause like the second, mm-hmm. the second Tomb Raider game in the in the reboot, basically she gets uh, lost in Russia and discovers like the lost city of Vitej with like an immortal Jesus, and like, yeah, there's immortal Byzantine soldiers in that game. So like <laughs> the mysticism is part of the franchise. No, it is, which is fine. I appreciate that as long as it's you know kept on a subtle aspect it's not like they're pounding you over the head with it yeah well at least it's uh like it didn't go like the the angelina jolie way where somehow the illuminati is involved (laughs) yeah yeah oh my god i remember (laughs) those films (laughs) yeah Everyone was dying to see them. Well, I mean, it's Angelina Jolie, so. Well, yeah. Ooh, 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. Good Mm. for them. Not the new one, the old one. The old one? (laughs) What's the new one? It's at 51, if you can believe it right now. I mean, I guess I could see it, but I mean... They liked yeah. the fact that it was. They liked the fact that it was grounded in reality, that it didn't have to rely on all the tropey stereotypes that the original series is known for. But at the same time, when Alicia Vikander, even her, I saw some of her expressions. It's like, it's like do you want to be anywhere else yeah. right now? Like nod your head. Like nod your head if you <laughs> only took this. If you only took this movie for a paycheck. Yeah. Although it is uh, kind of insane, like, the training she went through. Oh, no, I agree. And, um, yeah, obviously it shows in, like, the first five minutes where you could just see, like, sweat running down her abs. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Oh, it I turns know. you from, like, the Danish girl to this. Yeah, to fucking <laughs> Lara Croft. Yeah. And, I mean, like, uh, if somehow this... like every other movie seems to be is like gets a sequel uh i hope like they have a much better screenwriter and keep who did alicia oh wait she wrote the script no no i said keep alicia vikander oh keep alicia vikander okay all right it's it it's some like people you've never heard of wrote the script yeah, Evan Darty and Geneva Robertson Dwaret. Yeah, that it, name ring a bell? No, you you know who uh, wrote the games, and I might have to correct myself here, but I think it was uh, Rihanna Pratchett. Yeah, no, you're right. I think you're right. Who is the daughter of Terry Pratchett? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, she wrote Tomb Raider: Rise of the Tomb Raider. And probably the th- uh, the third one that's coming out. Uh-huh. Yeah. And oh, she wrote Mirror's Edge as well. Yeah. 
Nice. And uh, I don't know if you played this game, uh, Overlord. Never played Overlord. It's um, it's a it's a it's a fantasy game that like well yeah obviously you play the evil evil Overlord but it kind of turns all the all the expectations on its head so it's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, that's pretty cool. You know, it's pretty uh, cool. Tomb Raider. Like like I said, the video game like the first one the story is not all that great. Uh, the the reboot at least, but it's. Written in a way where, like, at least you understand uh, Lara Croft's motivations more. There's a lot more growth in her character. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it works in a video game. Yeah, it really does. Because, you know, like, as the game goes on and you're, like, you know, you're crafting a bunch of, like, bows and arrows. Or, like, you learn a lot more skills you get a sense of growth as a character. Like you, you, you stop being like, you know, someone who's running away from all the fights to someone who's planning how the next encounter is going to go down. Uh huh. Yeah. And that, that I think like works better in a video game, especially one with that's concerned with progression because I feel like mm-hmm. sometimes where you're supposed to be playing like this badass character of like a super assassin or like someone who's an experience, like uh, someone who's like experienced, like, and yet throughout the game, you still have like tutorials or like you still have to add your skills or whatever. You got 51% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, the new Tomb Raider. It's, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I get it. It's a lot more. Surprisingly, critics are a lot more generous than you'd expect. Yeah, and no, like it, I, I will say that like this movie is like not offensively bad or like spectacularly bad. It's just like bad, like and and like it's the kind of bad where it's like not bad enough where people keep talking about it, but it's not bad. But it, but it's not even like good like passable right no i feel like it's just written it was reviewed by people who never actually played the game before so they're they don't really know uh what how to actually review it yeah um well even then like on a story level it does fall apart by by the time like she meets walton goggins yeah 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 so who knows where this may uh, who knows where this may go? Not just for the Tomb Raider franchise, but also for video game movies in general. And which actors will sell off their soul next just for a really fat paycheck? Well, I guess um, there's Ready Player One, which is video game inspired. Oh god, and. Um... I'm already seeing incredible hot takes where Ready Player One will be the Black Panther for gamers, and I just had to throw my phone. <laughs> Look, I read the book <laughs> F- five times. I read the book. Needless to say, I loved it. I thought it was incredible. I kept asking myself, how are they going to make a movie out of this? And when I saw the trailer, I'm just like, oh, okay. Not quite what I had in mind, but 
Sure, I, I guess that, that that could potentially work. Oh man, I, I feel like I feel like Spielberg isn't the right guy to direct it, though. Yeah, well, you know, apparently people are like early responses are pretty good, but I'm not sure I trust that based on what I saw <laughs> in the trailer. <laughs> right. And also, like, let's just face facts. Like, Spielberg is coasting at this point. He really is. He's the kind of guy who could just, like, you know, release a movie and nobody knows that he's actually been working on. He's just like, you know, oh, yeah, here's a new movie. Go ahead. Enjoy it. Like, Bridge of Spies was completely, like, whatever. Uh, The Uh, Post was, like, also, like... Whatever. Well, I mean, I understand why this movie is coming out right now, but really, it's, like... It's such a nothing movie. Right. <laughs> it and really speaking, is. And speaking of nothing movies, let's let's Perfect. talk about Red Sparrow, which is a movie that punches above its weight and gets knocked out by Conor McGregor. <laughs> oh my god. So wait, what's the premise? Here, it's like Jennifer Lawrence is a uh, Russian ballerina who's tasked by the government to seduce this this spy or something. Yeah, so basically the setup is that uh, Jennifer Lawrence started out as a ballerina, but she suffers like a career-ending injury. And then her uncle Vladimir Putin, uh, played by, <laughs> I guess, one of Putin's the, uh, secret clones, Matthias Schoonarts, uh, like basically <laughs> offers her a job like this one time job where she's just supposed to meet with somebody and like prove that he's disloyal to the state now I will I will come back to this later on and uh, but uh, to, to like this sense later on but uh-huh. basically the movie is is like the degradation of Jennifer Lawrence. Like it starts out with her like suffering a career ending injury. And then like she gets raped by the guy like she's supposed to like con in the hotel. And then later on, uh-huh. there's like a lot more happening with her character. And it's basically like, yeah, let's put this character through as much shit as possible. Right. Yeah. And like in the back of your mind, you know, you're probably wishing that this was uh, Atomic Blonde or Salt or like yeah, maybe Anything finally, finally the Black Widow movie that we're clamoring for, but uh-huh. it just never no. arrives. Oh God! And of course, uh, one of the kisses of death for this film is casting. Joel fucking Edgerton into it. Joel Edgerton uh, fighting out of uh, New South Wales. Um, <laughs> who's been in like. He's been in more movies than he ought to be. Yeah. But he's always been one of those actors. It's been like, you know, doesn't really make much of an impression, but just happens to be in a lot of shit yeah and i mean i guess he's got a really good agent then but i guess so it's just oh you know like 
I'm sure everyone's seen him in the Loving Virginia movie uh, called Loving. Uh, I'm oh, sure God. everyone's seen him in uh, Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, a few people saw him in Great Gatsby and less people saw him in Exodus. But <laughs> I guess the most, re- the besides Loving, the most famous thing he's been in or two movies in 2017, It Comes at Night and Bright. And I thought uh-huh. when I saw It Comes at Night, which is a, it's a horror movie that uh, really messes with your expectations. And for once, Joel Edgerton actually, like, plays a good character and, like, he acts reasonably well. And I was like, wow, maybe I was wrong about him. Maybe he's finally found something that, you know, he can be good at. But then the second movie in 2017, Bright, (laughs) it's just, oh, oh yeah, this is why I don't like him. (laughs) (laughs) You ever get the feeling like he's trying way too hard to get people to notice him? It's the same thing with uh, Army Hammer. (laughs) <laughs> at least with Army Hammer, you know, he's done a lot of respectable films, though. Well, now I guess he's turning it around with Call Me By Your Name. Yeah. But we'll see what happens with the second movie. But, well, okay, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do an episode on Netflix movies because there's, there's a bunch of hot messes Ooh. coming out on Netflix. But also and, some very good ones. Uh, and not, not yeah. just from Adam Sandler. Yeah, but Joel Edgerton and Bright uh, as Orc Cop. God, this is this is this is also a movie that believes itself to be more poignant than it actually is. Mm. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, I heard. It's supposed to be like a supposed to be a a very uh, thinly veiled or very openly veiled uh, metaphor for the treatment of black people in the country yeah well the thing is um so it's an alternate present where like basically all the fantasy creatures exist and there there was like uh you know the evil overlord and and Mm -hmm. was defeated in the past but because oryx fought under sauron basically they 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 get a bad rap but Mm -hmm. You expect me to believe that, like, in an alternate present with fantasy creatures openly existing, like, they're not even trying to hide it like other movies, all of human history comes out exactly the same. Yeah. And at one point, like, I think Will Smith uh, said, like, 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 something like, get your Shrek-looking ass out of here. It's like, how can a movie like Shrek be made with actual ogres existing? Right. <laughs> well, if it's brought to you by the same guy who did Suicide Squad, then you know you're really not going to get a lot of answers. Yeah. Ah, oh, David Ayer. Ah, oh, David Ayer. Come on, man. Oh, man. Um, started out well. He, he wrote Training Day. He did? Yeah, he did write the first Fast and Furious. Um, Fury, uh, not the best, but also not the worst. Uh-huh. Um. Oh, Fury, that a World War II film with yeah. Brad Pitt. Yeah. Shia LaBeouf. Uh-huh. 
But, ah, oh, man. Suicide Squad, Bright. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. It's, I don't know. Yeah. So. It's really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Going back to, uh, back to Joel Edgerton right now. Why did, how is he still getting work? Yeah. So he, he plays a CIA agent in Red Sparrow, but I don't know. It's just like his character is I like, so the conflict of the movie basically is like uh, in his last assignment in Moscow, he's, he has contact with like uh, someone who's been leaking Russian secrets to the United States. But uh-huh. during this, like last exchange basically he fucks up and like because like he got spooked by like cops stopping his uh contact um, uh-huh. even though like the cops were probably just gonna like the the, the cops didn't know that like uh he, like the contact or like joel edgerton or spies like it's probably like it, it took place in a park after dark so of course somebody's gonna get stopped by a cop of course yeah but yeah, so he fucks up this, he botches this meeting and then like for one last try, he gets assigned to Budapest and then, yeah, like he wants to ensure that his asset like is still good. And then Jennifer Lawrence, um, after like, you know, uh, she proves herself and she gets sent to like this like college for spies like her first assignment is to basically um yeah i I don't know what her assignment was actually because like the movie like just the once everything comes to budapest like this story becomes so convoluted right but have we really reached this point right now where we're releasing a Cold War-esque, almost propaganda-like films again? Yeah, so that's the thing with this movie, is that it takes place in the present day, but really, it would work much better if it took place during the Cold War. Right. And, I mean, even, like, I, I so much of the movie just screams, like it should take place in either the 1970s or like the 1980s. Yeah. It's just like, you know, like all the, all the scenes set in Moscow, like they, they try to avoid like a lot of the modern trappings of Moscow as much as possible. And then like having Budapest as like more or less neutral ground, like Americans can go to Russia. That that's not a fucking problem. Right. No, it's just, I don't know. The, is it the fact that Putin was just reelected for the umpteenth time? Probably. Was there, was there really a need for this movie to, yeah. to come out? Have we officially entered the second Cold War? I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to get into it, but like um, ever since like the fall of the Soviet Union, the U.S. has been looking for an enemy. And like for a while, yeah. it was, it, it, well, I guess it still is like, quote unquote, Islam. But 
they were also trying to set up China as an enemy. Uh, but I guess now Russia's back in the picture. Although if you played like the Call of Duty Modern Warfare, that's basically what they did as well. <laughs> right. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. But isn't it kind of a little bit... I'm just looking at it right here. Apparently, uh, there really is a thing called Sparrows and Sparrows School. That's basically Russian uh, sex espionage. I mean, I don't doubt that, like, Russian espionage, there's, you know, uh, people trained in seduction, people who, like, uh, this this idea called compromat, which is, like, you put people in compromising positions. Positions, yeah. So you have, like, blackmail material. But let's not forget that this is also the shit that the CIA does. Yeah. Like... like, I mean, to be honest, like any country with an intelligence program probably has a similar like initiative. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just like the nature of espionage. Gotcha. And, you know, it's like, I mean, I, the, the way that they're portraying Russia in the movie is like, it's, ex, it's, ex, it's implicitly like Russia never like you know, change from the Soviet Union, basically. Uh-huh. That's that's the kind of that's the kind of thing they were trying to portray in the movie. I don't know about the novel. Maybe the novel's different. Uh, but well, yeah. the, the the novel specifically has Vladimir Putin in it as a as a character. They just changed his name in for the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so again, let's go back to Matthias Kunartz, who plays Uncle Vanya, uh, Ivan Vladimirovich Egorov. Uh-huh. He is so very obviously Vladimir Putin before he was president that I feel like this movie <laughs> should just take place in the 80s. It should. Back when like Vladimir Putin was still in the KGB. Yeah. Because basically, that's what he is. Like the like Uncle Vanya is head of like Russian intelligence SVR. And he's uh-huh. the guy like assigning all the sparrows to do shit, and he's like, right. you know, he's portrayed as like this um, intelligent man who's always plotting and like trying to one up people and like you know, uh, basically the type of person who's crafty and like. Uh, yeah, basically the type of person who's like crafty is like Putin is, but it's just yeah, yeah. Like throughout the movie, I just kept looking at him and his character. And it's like this movie obviously wants like to to have Vladimir Putin. <laughs> yeah, but but the uh, director of the film, uh, Francis Lawrence. He basically thought it would be too distracting to have actual Vladimir Putin in the movie. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, um, when uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character uh, Dominika Egorova goes to Budapest, she is supposed to, you know, seduce um, Joel Edgerton's uh, CIA agent and get him to reveal the name of who's leaking all the information mm-hmm. but it, it you know because of how she was treated and how it like basically uh um 
shitty her life is now in <laughs> Russia, which actually they don't really portray that very well. <laughs> they, right. they, it doesn't like it seems like she still has a pretty reasonable life like in Russia, like e- even after her career ending injury. Gotcha. Um, but like part of it is because like her mother has a debilitating illness and she wants her to have better health care. Uh, mm-hmm. Like so like her character uh, doesn't do things according to plan and she comes up with her own uh, plan to defect basically to the U.S. And, right. you know, I mean, it's a pretty standard thing that happens in uh, spy movies, but. I don't know. It's just like the way the plot lines are handled is confusing and like it's unclear like what everyone's motivations are and like the complication of like she's like Jennifer Lawrence is also trying to uh, play a fellow uh, sparrow and like also like doing all these things to eventually uh, fuck up her uncle Vanya's life. It's just like, I don't know if this movie is, like too long or like not long enough because it's at the same time it's padded but also it's missing things right i don't know i mean hmm. i don't know man i don't know what to make of uh i don't know what to make of it i feel like if like you said if this was a film that was either this could have been film released like 20 or 30 years ago and it would have made a lot more sense yeah and i don't know i guess based on everyone's impressions from the trailer i think people were expecting something that takes itself less seriously than this or something that takes itself seriously but in a different direction you know Uh it's like really there's no action in this movie it's not it's not like that spy action it's it's more of a like a thriller or it tries to be but it's just like right not as captivating as it thinks it is like the thinking man's atomic blonde if you will yeah it's i mean you know it's like it's it's trying to have like the tension of like the type of cold war spy that's not james bond the time the type of spy who's like a cultural attache at embassies the type who schmoozes at like, uh, you know, parties and functions, but tries to, you know, get you to leak secrets and things like that. And at some points it, it does show that, but it's just, you know, like it doesn't show enough of that. And just like focuses on the relationship between the CIA agent and the Sparrow. And again, this is a problem we saw with Joel Edgerton and loving where it's just like he doesn't <laughs> seem to vibe with any of his female leads. Exactly. Which, yeah, the man is a, the personality of a wet rag. Yeah. You could see that. The, and it pissed me off the most in loving because it's like this is a movie, this movie regarding you know, one of the first uh, legally sanctioned uh, interracial uh, marriages uh, in the country, one that pissed off so many people that they had to take their case to the Supreme Court to basically say, like, you know, you know, interracial marriage is is uh, no longer unconstitutional. And yet 
we didn't see any semblance of love from the two loving characters. Yeah. No, no pun intended <laughs> or pun or pun kind of intended, but <laughs> yeah. it's like Joel Edgerton. He looked like he was falling asleep half the time and his accent only made things worse. I mean, I know he's Australian and he can pull off a lot of like really great accents, but this one, I'm just like, um, are you, if you had a mustache, I feel like you be like trying to eat it right now if you had a mustache on right now because that's the way you're sounding kind of like uh kind of like sam elliott in red sparrow <laughs> he's just like i don't know you i mean i guess like the kind of spy that um that uh the joel edgerton character would be would not be as like suave or flashy as james bond or archer but right Still, at the same time, man, you, you're a human being. Show some emotion. Exactly. Exactly. But I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever get that of Joel Edgerton again. What, what's he in right now? Um, that movie, uh, Gringo, that his brother directed? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, his brother, uh, Nash Edgerton. Okay. Um, with, uh, David, David Oyelowo, uh, oh, Joe Edgerton and, and uh, Charlize, Charlize Theron and, uh, um, a bunch of other people that I can't really name off, off the top of my head right now. Let me pull up Wikipedia right now. Um, who else is in think, it? Uh, oh, Amanda uh, Siegfried. Uh, I think, uh, Paris Jackson is in it. Is she? Maybe. Maybe I'm thinking of something uh, else. Oh, no, you're right. She is. Yeah. She, uh, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, okay. Well, um, I guess the next Jacksons are finally uh, debuting. Oh, no. God help us all. Yeah. Uh, okay. the The other element I want to talk about in Red Sparrow is the the meaningless graphic violence. I am a person who does not shy away from graphic violence. Like I, you know, but some movies are just like not suited to graphic violence or like. Right. You know, I mean, you expect like a spy movie to be brutal or whatever, and like, I mean, sure, fine. Um, yeah, the torture aspect, that's fine. But there's just, like, parts of the movie where it's violent for the sake of being violent, and I'm uh -huh. not quite sure where the connection is. Hmm. Like, at some point, like, she wakes up in the middle of the night, and um, uh, the, the CIA spy is uh, tied up, and uh, being tortured by another, by basically Russia's like number one torturer, and so she has to like stay in cover for a little bit so she can uh, take uh, so so she can like get one up on the torturer and kill him. But so like there's extremely long sequence of like <laughs> Joel Edgerton being tortured, and I'm like, 
okay, I get that, like, it's like this, but, like, does it have to be this long? Right. Or, like, does it have to, like, do this, you know? And then, like, just yeah. people die for no reason in the movie. Uh-huh. Like, when she was, like, trying to say that, um, like, in, in order to stay longer in Budapest, like, she has to explain to her Uncle Vanya that, um, oh, yeah, I, like, I'm also working another thing where I can get a chief of staff of a unit, U.S. senator to sell American secrets. And then um, she's basically, like, stealing this intelligence from her uh from her fellow sparrow that she's sharing an apartment with. Uh-huh. And then the next day, like after she tells her uncle this, like her roommate is just dead in, in, in the bathtub, like killed by the torture. Oh. And I'm like, wait, she didn't leak the information. Why did she die? <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of got the feeling that the writer developed a case of writer's block when they were doing that scene. It's like yeah, it's it's the old uh, when in doubt, just like someone with a gun enters the room. Yeah, but then again, how would they actually know where this person was? I mean, yes, we know that she revealed the information to uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character, but it's not like she, you know, like you said, she didn't leak the information. So how would they know where she was? And, and here's the thing, like, f- f- like first of all, like she's wor- like the the other sparrow is working in russian interests so like there was no hint that this other sparrow would betray russia like she was working this uh this chief of staff like to 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 share some like uh, secrets or whatever and it's just like okay uh why (laughs) like why why does she have to be murdered for something she didn't even do Right. <laughs> Lazy screenwriting, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, really, like, it, this movie bothers me so much because, like, it tries to, like, be a cerebral spy th- thriller, but it's just, like, not as smart as it think it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of people well, dying for no reason, um, so the eventually the senator's chief of staff, like Jennifer Lawrence, has to be the one to work her now to get to sell secrets. Yeah. And it does happen, and like she shares secrets or whatever. But for some reason, as soon as she steps out of like the meeting place, she gets freaked out for some reason and just gets hit by a truck. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh. Uh, uh, hmm. No, I, I was in the theater and like, I even said out loud, this is stupid. <laughs> that she freaks out and gets hit by a truck for no reason. Well, you know, like, obviously, like this uh, information exchange is being watched by both Russian and American spy agencies, but mm-hmm. she gets freaked out immediately, like pretty much as soon as like she walks out of the meeting place and like suddenly like she gets paranoid and nervous like that. Everyone around her is a spy. And then like, yeah, like 
she gets she dumps the money and then just like he gets panicky and gets hit by a truck in the middle of the street. Okay. And I'm like, is this really what happens in the movie? <laughs> I don't know. And then after that, um, uh, the Russians suspect uh, Jennifer Lawrence to be sabot- to be the one to, like, I guess, gaslight the chief of staff to like uh, be all paranoid and shit. Uh, so, mm-hmm. again, this is like the the passion of Jennifer Lawrence. So she gets back to Moscow <laughs> and gets tortured uh, on her return home. Ah, uh, yeah, huh. lovely. Again, and it's like, sure, I get that you want to portray this, and obviously it's part of whatever, but like, it just goes on for too long. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, like <laughs> you know, um, she gets uh, she gets hit by billy clubs. She gets the water torture. She gets uh, loud noises played at her, and uh, yeah, at one point she like at the last the last uh, torture is like she's shown like one of her uh, allies, and like he denies compromising the asset, and like gets shot in the head so she's about to do the same thing but then um it was a blank and then uh, uncle vanya comes in and it's like oh i believe you the whole time (laughs) yes you know i I didn't say it earlier but i do in fact believe you you have one chance to go back to budapest in the in the get the american spy and it's like at this point like why wouldn't you just kill her why why yeah why go through all the why why are you dragging this out even further yeah also at some point uh (laughs) dominica egorova and vanya egorov make out (laughs) what yeah oh come on yeah like okay. she goes to her, her apartment because at the end, like all she's done in the movie is basically to try to fuck up her uncle's life for just being like basically KGB piece of shit. Um, uh-huh. So she plants some evidence at the at his apartment. And then before she leaves, like back to Budapest, she's like, you know, there's like this close. Uh, you, you know, when like people talk really closely in movies and like, yeah. like whispering and then, like, Jennifer Lawrence just kisses her uncle in the movie. And I'm like, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. It's like, it's, yeah. I, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so at the end, um, it's basically revealed um, that um, who the who Joel Edgerton's contact was and, like, Jennifer Lawrence doesn't sell him out. Instead, she plants all the evidence that her uncle was the guy who leaked all the secrets. And then uh, during the exchange, she purposefully messes it up so that the Russians kill her uncle. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, it basically ends with her uh, being the new mole for the United States. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I've never walked out of any movie and I like I try not to because uh, like I feel like I owe it to myself to see just how bad a movie can get. But it's like this movie was very close. Yeah. I can imagine. Jesus. I'd probably walk out of that film, too, if I saw it. Yeah. Uh, and this movie has, like, arter, uh, like other actors who are way too good for this movie. Yeah. Jeremy Irons, Kieran Hines, uh, Charlotte Rampling. No. No. <laughs> why, why do they have to be a part of this? <laughs> Was the paycheck really that great? Yeah. Although one of the, one of my favorite um, Jeremy Irons films is the sh- incredibly shitty Dungeons and Dragons film he was in. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh my god! I <laughs> that film is so hilarious. Yeah. Just <laughs> him trying to control all these all these dragons. Oh my god! He's like yeah. holding this uh this one like staff or something is like mm-hmm. yes feel your rage your rage yes yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my god as <laughs> i i saw it i think i i got i rent i rented the dvd and i was like wow this is see this is how you make a terrible movie yes it's just incredibly I... shitty but like one of the actors knows that it's incredibly shitty and so just decides to ham it up. Right. He's just like, you know, uh, I know this film's going to be shit, so might as well just yeah, <laughs> have fun doing it. Yeah. Man. Uh, all right. Um, so, yeah, those are, those are two movies that make us ask, like, what? Why do these bad movies like happen to like good actors? Good actors. Yeah. I think I think the next thing that's coming out for Alicia Vikander is a movie with James McAvoy. It's uh, let me see, hang on. Submergence. It's a Wim Wenders film. Submergence. It's a what film? It's a Wim Wenders film. You know the guy who did Buena Vista Social oh. Club. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, submergence. In a room with no windows on the eastern coast of Africa, a Scotsman, James Moore, is held captive by jihadist fighters. Thousands of miles away in the Greenland Sea, Danielle Flinders prepares to dive in a submersible to the ocean floor. In their confines, they are drawn back to the Christmas of the previous year, where a chance encounter on a beach in France led to an intense and enduring romance. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, honestly, this looks like shit. Yeah. Um, well, Women Wenders has basically, like, he's also coasting, I think. <laughs> Since what? Well, people generally like Buena Vista Social Club. Yeah, but that came out nearly 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, the last good Spielberg movie was, like, Schindler's List. 
no, no. I think you could put like Saving Private Ryan, Catch Me If You Can, Munich oh, yeah. on shaving, that list. Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Sh- shaving. Shaving Sh- Private sh- Ryan. Shaving, shaving Ryan's privates. That's the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I guess Saving Private Ryan was the last good one. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. That was uh, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, what did he do between like Catch Me If You Can and, well, Bridge of Spies or whatever? Oh, he did. Uh, he did Munich. He did The Terminal. Oh yeah. He did, um, shit, what else did he do? Uh, oh, he, he did, did do Terminal. I thought I thought it was another director. No, he actually did. Um, <laughs> let's see, what did he do? What did he do? Hang on. Steven Spielberg filmography. 1990, there we go. Um... Oh, he did uh, AI, artificial intelligence. He oh, did yeah. uh, he did Minority Report. Mm-hmm. Oh, he did the shitty War of the Worlds remake. Yep. He did the absolutely terrible uh, fourth Indiana Jones film. Yeah. Also, Indiana uh, at, at big tomb rating news. I guess they are going forward with Indiana Jones five with Harrison Ford. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can we just leave Harrison Ford alone? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, we can. He doesn't want to be left alone. He wants to continue playing his character until he's pretty much in the ground. Does he? I mean, like, well, he came back as like both Han Solo and Rickard Decker. Uh, but like, I mean, he's basically playing sean connery's role in this upcoming indiana jones movie like he has to be right right um but yeah apparently after ready player one that's going to be the next film he uh, he shoots and it won't be in until april 2019 that he'll begin uh filming oh god i know i mean <laughs> Oh, God. But it has been confirmed that uh, uh, Shia LaBeouf will not be returning to the franchise. Thank God. Good news. Good news indeed. Um, well, I guess uh, they'll find someone else to uh, to be the new young face. Um, I, I've heard it's, it's Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt? Yeah. Okay. Um, huh. Yes, yes, because he hasn't, you know, fucked up, you know, the Jurassic Park series already. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, it's it's either they have Harrison Ford back or they'll just, like, have a reboot. Yeah. Because you can't, like, like, the thing with both, like, video games and movies, and I guess television shows too now, is that, like, you can't leave well enough alone. No, you really can't. Like that, I don't know what was in the water, but like for the fall twenty sixteen and fall twenty 
2017, uh, no, fall 2016 and fall 2015, like TV season. It seems like every other show was an adaptation of a film. Right. Like there was a Lethal Weapon show. There was a Exorcist show. There was a Training <laughs> Day show. There was a Rush Hour show. And I'm like, how is this a TV show? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah. We're living in an age right now where no original ideas have come to pass. Franchises rule the world. And Hollywood still continues to be incredibly racist and sexist. I, I don't know how to end on a, like a more positive note. Because I think the next thing <laughs> I want to do is talk about a lot of the absolute ass that's been dumped on netflix recently yeah oh my god <laughs> we'll uh we'll do that yeah that'll be the next episode yeah well movies in the past it used to be um it used to go direct to vhs or direct to dvd or just like played in like shitty theaters for like one day but now right. it's on rotation to netflix yeah because they have nowhere else to go yeah <laughs> oh my god so we'll we'll get uh, we'll get into that one folks we'll t discuss all the uh all the brights and the adam sandler shit fests and the and uh the cloverfield uh paradox the, or experiment the, or whatever they're calling it the, first uh, of the, all the cloverfield one. first of all cloverfield was not a good movie no, there wasn't. Ten Cloverfield Lane was not a good movie either. And it was obviously right. not a Cloverfield film. <laughs> and yeah. from what uh, people told me, neither is the Cloverfield uh, paradox. I've heard that too. I had a, had a friend of mine who basically just said after the first ten minutes, he turned it off. That's how bad it was. Yeah. I mean, I don't know like why J.J. Abrams is trying to like turn Cloverfield into a franchise. Yeah, shouldn't he be uh, preoccupied right now with episode nine? Yeah. And I guess is he doing another Star Trek? Oh god, I hope not. Um Yes he is. Oh no. Oh, come on. Yeah. Is he just is he just trying to like outdo himself at this point? Well, um, there of course there's the um, there's the Mission Impossible films. Um, then there's a uh, Star Trek um, and uh, Episode Nine. And um, oh, uh, Abrams is working on a new film titled Overlord, horror film set in World War Two. Um, um, okay. Film will, will Which serve will... as a fourth installment in the Cloverfield franchise. No, no, you already released a shitty Cloverfield movie this year. Why another one? Yeah. Why? I'll, uh, I mean, I don't really want to uh, do a episode on Cloverfield, but I, would, I just want to say, like, Cloverfield, 
like even as a horror film like take away like the gimmick of found footage and like it was shot entirely on camcorder it was not a good movie right exactly like none of the characters were sympathetic like everyone seemed like they wanted to be elsewhere and like you don't even see anything right but there weren't even characters they were just like you know like hello we'll be your appetizer slash main course for the evening yeah it's yeah i don't yeah it's almost like saying you watch a slasher movie for the character development yeah and it's I don't know. I don't see a monster movie for the people. And this is the failure of pretty much every like giant robot slash monster movie in recent, uh, like I guess the past decade or so. Right. It's, they just like, you realize if I want to care about the characters, I can just watch another drama or thriller. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess, you know what, uh, Tomb Raider's foreshadowing is that, there will be further and further franchises in the works, or I guess most of them will be stillborn, like uh, what whatever Universal was trying to do with the Mummy. Oh, the, the Dark Universe. Oh, forget that. Yeah, here's the thing: like, th- th- there can be a Dark Universe, and like have it done well, but it's just like not the way that they did the Mummy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They, they could have started with literally anything else. Well, like, they could have a mummy movie, but instead of, like, trying to incorporate, like, superhero elements or, like, do the um, Brendan Fraser ones, but, like, not funny. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, how about, like, going back to the roots of, like, the Universal Horror franchise? How about you, like, make, mummies like scary again you know i mean like everyone's joking, yeah like it's you know it's toilet paper shit but try <coughs> try having like a plot element of like where the mummy really is this kind of like fierce and like horrifying creature like and like all these things where like they turn like vampires into like superheroes or gods it's like yeah, you know, it's like they're trying to break away from, like, I guess, like, the Lugosi stereotype or, like, the Lee stereotype. But what yeah. about, like, genuinely scary vampires? Like, has exactly. anyone made a movie like that in a while? Uh, last one I can recall was uh, Francis Ford Coppola's 1992 version of Dracula. Yeah, with uh, Gary, Gary Oldman, Oldman, who I have no idea how he won for Churchill. I have no idea either, but he won. <laughs> I think that's his pity Oscar. I guess. Um, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, since there is a ballet element in um, Red Sparrow, I guess I'll close out with uh, the overture from Swan Lake, which tying it to the monster movies. It was the intro song to the original Dracula in 1931. That's right. Yeah. Listen to them. Listen. The children Children of the night. night. Such (laughs) wonderful music they make. (laughs) Also, uh, 
the 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 Dracula brides one like I I really don't understand that. <laughs> yeah. So like he just has like <laughs> three wives like. Yeah, evidently, and he <laughs> wants more. Yeah. Or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Well. Oh man, um, I can't wait to watch uh, Ready Player One, and either that's gonna be the first movie that I walk out of. Or I'm just going to have so much material to talk shit about it. <laughs> well, we'll we'll see it and we'll uh, compare notes. Yeah. Um, you're going to see Pacific Rim? Maybe. I, I didn't see the first one. And by the way, they're trying to create their own uh, movie universe as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With, uh, I think, uh, Godzilla and uh, King Kong, too. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, well, the reason why I like the first Pacific Rim is also because why I like Saints Row is just like, it knows it's retarded and is not afraid to just run with it. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. Like there's a scene where it's just like so incredibly stupid. Like the, the Jaeger punches through an office building and then stops just before a Newton's cradle and manages to like nudge the ball and starts it and i'm like this is so incredibly stupid (laughs) yeah it's a shame (laughs) that the main character is like you know (laughs) really bad right but there is that epic speech by uh, idris elba of course the homie oh yeah Today we are canceling the apocalypse. Yeah. Which is pretty epic. Yeah. And uh, um, Rinko Kikuchi was awesome. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Charlie. It was Charlie Hunnam, right? Charlie Hunnam, yeah. 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 It's like, yeah. Um, he was like slipping in and out of <laughs> the American accent. <laughs> throughout oh the i know movie. you could totally hear it yeah you could totally it's like you know i'm a, it's, it's like you know all these years uh being a jaeger pilot i really never thought about the future and i'm like what the fuck <laughs> are you trying to do man <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it's uh yeah well they have john boyega now so Yes. That's a step up. It is. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, that was uh, another episode of Questions Like This. Uh, why do bad movies happen to good actors? You know, I'm starting to evaluate that maybe Alicia Vikander is not that good of an actress because, like, there was that shitty movie she did with her husband. And, um, oh, yeah. Um, this upcoming one, uh, yeah. James Mack. Yeah. James Mack. Uh, she is a good actress. She just gets a lot of shitty movies. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, her, like, usually, like, uh, like her, uh, her previous roles, like, she's been, you know, I mean, there's Ex Machina and there's uh, the Danish girl, and, like, she's great in them. And it's just, like, maybe she needs a new agent. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Because I feel like Michael Fassbender also like uh, fell into that trap with Assassin's Creed. Yes, 
and then the snowman. Yeah, where it's like, come on, man, you're better than this. And, of course, the alien <laughs> movies. Oh, God, no, please, no. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, so we'll be closing out with the overture from Swan Lake. Um, and, yeah, join us next time for another insightful episode of questions <laughs> like this. Uh, my name is Aristo. And I'm Alex. And see you next time. Take care, everybody.